0: Ladies and gentlemen, grunts and girls, welcome to another edition of the Bullets to Beans podcast. I'm your host, Doc Jay. Today's January the 28th. Our topic today is the transition slide rule and the challenges with transitioning out of the military. Let's go ahead and get started. before we get started today, we wanted to give a shout out to Evan and the crew at 30 Seconds Out. If uh, you're looking for some military-inspired merchandise, t-shirts, hats, patches, stickers, even some pretty cool wall art, check them out in the show notes. Go straight to 30secondsout.com or find the link on the Remedy Alpine webpage. First of all, what went through my mind is how stupid am I to actually volunteer for this. <laughs> All right, so this week we're going to talk about military transition, and I've got to be honest, as I was preparing for the show, I figured at first it was going to be a relatively simple episode. You know, I've gone through uh, transition from the military, I've had quite a few friends go through transition, and... You know, I I thought it would be an easy discussion, right? Uh, It's something that I've got personal experience with, something that I've helped friends through. And as I started preparing and thinking about this show, what I found is this is a a, a very complex issue. Uh, It's something that I I think a lot of people overlook some of the the, the finer details of. And it's something that, quite honestly, I don't think any of the branches of service do a good enough job going over. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to... To really only scratch the surface of it, this is going to end up being a two or three part episode series to cover uh, just because of the complexities around getting out of the military. Um, so let's jump in. So the, my first thought around this is a lot of people look at transitioning from the military as a very linear complex, you know, very task oriented. If you do X, Y, Z, then you're transitioned. And as I've talked with other service members and trying to give some mentorship around it, what, I've, what I find myself giving people advice on is asking them to think of transitioning as a mindset. You can do the the linear things, you can do the task-oriented, focused things, you can go to your transition pathway courses with your branch of service, you can do your resume, you can get a job, you can go through and final out, turn all your equipment in, you get your your DD-214, and then all of a sudden, technically you're out of the military, but does that make you transitioned? In my opinion, the answer is no. Uh, just based off of personal experience. The title of the show is Transition Slide Rule for a reason. You know, there's days where I feel like I'm 90% soldier and 10% civilian, and it feels like I just got out of the military yesterday. And then there's days where I feel like I'm 90% civilian and 10% soldier. I feel... Pretty well indoctrinated into the civilian world again, and it changes. Uh, it, it slides back and forth. Some of that depends on, you know, local activities. If there was just an air show and I was just on base, and there was, you know, some kind of an exercise or something happened, and it takes me back into my soldier days, mentally. Some of it could be around traumatic anniversaries. My wife finds that certain anniversaries for my deployments, she can tell where I, my mind is really back into, you know, my soldier life. And she could tell by the, the phrases I use when I speak. She can talk about by the hat that I have on my head or how I choose to, to dress, where I'm at mentally. And that's what I'm trying to get through to people is when you talk about transition from the military, it's not a, it's not a sequence of events that you just check the box on and poof, all of a sudden you're transitioned. Um, it's a mindset around um, understanding where you're at with the military and your civilian life now blended together because you can never get rid of your military life. Let's be honest about that. When you give even one in, when you get four or six years or 20 plus years to your country where you're willing to die uh, for an ideology, for a theory, for a leadership, for, for everything that goes into why we serve, when you embody that role of soldier, service member, airman, marine, sailor, when it becomes everything that, that you encompass, you know, you live and breathe it, uh, you sweat and bleed it, that's different from any other job in the civilian world. No other line of employment, maybe the first responder, firefighter, you know, I talked about that. I I mentioned that briefly in the the last episode. Only in those uh, lines of work uh, do you really find that, you know, that that total loyalty and total just devotion to what you do. So you can't hang that up. So, you know, getting out of the service, you can't just check the box and all of a sudden poof, uh, magically your mind forgets everything that you went through when you were a service member. So that being said, we're going to talk about some of the things around transitioning. I, you know, I, I talked about being more of a mindset than a uh, a checklist of things to do. We're going to get into some other components of transitioning or getting out of the service in future episodes. The next episode will will go into detail behind uh, what I've described as an identity complex or an identity crisis and what service members go through when they lose their identity of being a soldier or a service member. Today, we want to focus on a couple of the challenges that people find in getting out of the military. One of the things I do want to point out in, in preparation and research behind this episode, I found a really good research article by the Pew Research Organization out of Washington, D.C. In 2011, they published an article about uh, the challenges of transitioning from military to civilian life. You'll be able to find a link to that article in the show notes. In there, they describe um, some factors that make either Uh, transition easier or harder for military service members based off of, you know, deployments, uh, college education, enlisted versus uh, officer. And I have to say, by and large, I agree with probably about 90% of what they say in their research article. So it's a good read. uh, And it adds a little bit more clarity to some of this. I don't agree with 100% of what they say, but I don't think I've agreed with 100% of anybody. So that's not uncommon. So let's talk about some of the challenges. First and foremost, I think it's important to identify the challenges within your own family, right? As a service member, I think we need to at least admit that at best we're about a 40 or 50% parent. It's impossible to be a 100% parent or 100% spouse, 100% engaged in your family when your job requires you to go away for a year at a time. Or when your job requires you to get up at, before your kids get up and go to PT uh, and then be at work and not come home until after they've come home and started on their homework. It's impossible to be a 100% parent. Or 100% spouse when you give up our days and anniversaries repeatedly for training exercises, for duty that calls for deployments, uh, and everything that goes into being a soldier. So that takes a little transition there in uh, changing the roles and the dynamic of the family. Now that you're home more regularly, hopefully, uh, you've got to be a full-time parent if you still have school-age children. You've got to be a full-time spouse. Some people like the year-long breakaway from their uh, their loved ones and, and you know, that should cause them to question some other things about their life, but I'm not going to get into that. Your role as a disciplinarian or your role as a decision maker on certain things about finances, going simple things like going out to eat, choice of automobile, whatever could be impacted now that you're there full time. And that could be not just a transition for you, but that could be an adjustment for your family members because they're not used to you being around all the time. So that's just something to think about. And quite honestly, in my transition classes and everything that I went through in ACAP, it's called Soldier for Life in the Military Now, but none of that was ever discussed. Nobody ever talked about the different role of being a husband and a father now that I'm not going to deploy on a regular basis, or I'm not going to have duty all the time, or I'm not going to go to NTC a couple times a year or once a year. Uh, That was never discussed. Next was reintegration into your community. That's something that's, uh, I think, by and large overlooked. You know, if you retire in a military community, it could be relatively easy for you. You've got the hospital around that you can use your TRICARE at. You've got the PX. You've got the commissary. Um, You've got the post-fitness centers. You, you've kind of got the same life. You just don't have to get up and go to work and do PT and wear a uniform. You can grow a beard, grow your hair long, you know, and that can create some challenges too, because you could be that outsider. Uh, you don't really fit in anymore. You could still see your friends in your unit and uh, all your comrades, and now you're not part of it. And learning that you that you have a different role in life now can be a change for certain folks. On the other hand, certain people might retire far away or separate from the military and go far away from a An installation and that can create some challenges in and of itself depending on where you relocate to you know uh, as unfortunate as it is it's a reality that there's certain places in America today where the military service member just isn't very welcomed Uh, and hopefully you do that research before you get out and move you and or yourself and family to a place where you kind of have to hide what you did for the previous you know four six eight twenty whatever years uh, just because people might not respect Uh, what you've done for the nation. Um, You know, so those are a couple of small things. Uh, The job, that's going to be a different uh, episode coming up is the challenges with employment. One of the things that the Pew Research uh, Organization does talk about is, uh, you know, employability. One of the things that they say is commissioned officers typically have an easier transition and find employment easier. And that's one of the points that I disagree with because I've got to be honest, I've seen field grade officers and commissioned officers in general have uh, as much of a challenge, if not more of a challenge in transitioning uh, than I've seen enlisted folks. And I have to include senior non-commissioned officers into that bucket of having that challenge as well. When you look at folks that are used to having, and I'm doing air quotes, command authority, where they you know, based off of proclamation of their position, they either senior enlisted or commissioned officer, you know, where they command authority when they walk into a room, and you don't get that on the outside. Uh, that's a that's a big challenge to some folks' egos, and, and that's something that takes a lot of people some time to adjust to. uh, And some people just don't adjust to it. Uh, I've known a few people that personally, and I I won't divulge any kind of personally identifiable information about them, but when they've gotten out, they, they didn't transition into the civilian community well. And unfortunately they had to go back into a military type organization or a government service type role around or in a military installation to where they could thrive because in a true civilian market, they could not thrive at all. So that's something to think about too, is if you, if you know, Based off of your experiences and the the positions that you've held, if you're a really type A person, that's used one of the things that you enjoyed the most about your service was leadership as far as direction, control, being in charge of things. If you don't find a job when you get out that allows you to have that same element of control, you're going to have some struggles. So and these are things that I, I found that a lot of people don't want to talk about. People don't want to talk about the fact that the civilian community might think that you're a raging asshole just because you lead a certain way, uh, or that you're very forward or direct. Uh, I've had that challenge where as I'm communicating with my, my my counterparts in my civilian career, I'm very direct, I'm very forward, I'm very much still a platoon sergeant, you know, because the old adage, you can take the soldier out of the army, but you can't take the army out of the soldier. And that's very much true in my communication style. And it took me a while to realize that that's offensive. Some people don't really appreciate a very forward and direct conversation. So I've had to learn uh, to scale back a little bit, uh, maybe with uh, a little bit of the the vocal animation or some of the directness and kind of lead into things a little bit more just because it is by some people deemed offensive and in, in a lack of tact whereas a military commander or a first sergeant or command sergeant major senior leader in, uh, in any branch of service might appreciate a very forward and direct and maybe quasi-aggressive discussion in the civilian world they don't by and large uh, sometimes they do uh, more times than not they don't and although Certain civilian leaders would say, I appreciate a direct conversation. Uh, they, du- they appreciate a very direct civilian conversation. They might not appreciate a very direct Army conversation. So those are just a couple things to think about. Uh, we are going to have, like I said, future episodes. Next week's episode is going to be on something that I've called the identity crisis and the challenge that certain service members have when they lose their identity Uh, And that goes back to the embodiment of the role. Just a a preview on that for me, you know, as a combat medic, the greatest reward that I got out of my job was taking care of the warfighter. And even though when I got out of the military, I got a job in healthcare, and I'm still working in in a tangible field related to what I did in the military, I don't get to take care of the warfighter anymore. Uh, So I had a huge gap in my life. So we'll talk about uh, my own personal experiences as a a role model for that episode next week. And then in future episodes, we'll interview some folks talking about... uh, kind of the the job struggle and employment search of getting out of the military. So that's the crux of the show today. Hang out and we'll have some more uh, information about upcoming events with Remedy Alpine and a positive story to share about a recent event. So before we get into upcoming events for Remedy Alpine, I wanted to share a, a good news story with everybody. Uh, so for those that have followed the Remedy Alpine Facebook page and our website, some of you will know that in uh, November of 2018, about 16 months ago, on Veterans Day, uh, Remedy Alpine, a couple of us were doing a climb with the Gold Star Peak Foundation with their group. And we had a total of 16 people on the mountain that day. One thing led to another, in a very long story short, uh, we were in a series of three consecutive avalanches over the course of about an hour. And in the second slide, my pack, as I was uh, running to an escape route to get away from the avalanche, my pack got caught in the sliding snow and it tumbled. Uh, and I had the top of my pack, I had the brain of my pack open because I was doing, getting ready to do first aid on somebody that cut their hand. So my pack tumbled and my wallet got washed away in the avalanche. So as we've been back on the mountain a few times and the Gold Star Peak team has been back on the mountains of, a few times, we've we've tried to an- analyze the, the washout zones and the slide zones to figure out where the wallet would be and to try to find it. And i I've given up hope. It was a one in a million shot that I would ever see this wallet again. Well, yesterday, uh, I get a, a notice in the mail from the Alaska State Troopers that I need to report down to the Palmer Trooper Office to retrieve some property. And lo and behold, my wallet's there, along with my pocket knife uh, in a uh, attraction device. In the wallet was the exact amount of cash that was in the wallet the day that it left in the, the avalanche. Uh over well over a hundred dollars. All of my credit cards, uh my concealed weapons permit, my veterans ID, my retired ID, my driver, everything was in the wallet that was there the day that it got swept away. So there's still good people in the world. There's still good people in the community out there. And so let that just be a positive story about uh the good in the world that does still exist. So with that, talking about some other good news, um so later this week if you're in Alaska uh, we are doing our spaghetti feed fundraiser at the VFW in Eagle River and Jared Wood will be playing music live so come out help us uh, raise some money as we get uh, into our 2020 season and then March 1st we've got the Veteran Outreach Fair there will be a lot of national regional and local veteran service and veteran support organizations uh, talking about their program so if you're looking for something to do or if you're looking for a veteran service or a veteran support organization come out and join us that is also at the vfw and eagle river and that'll be march 1st so with that that's our show for this week uh, we appreciate you downloading we've had over a 100, 100 downloads on the pilot in episode one so we appreciate the following and the support that we've gotten so far and again this is the official podcast of remedy alpine reminding you to work the mountain and rest your mind